Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Greetings to those who watch below. Today's stories are about witches. Now, these aren't your usual white witches or those who practice wicker. These are the old scary hags from fairy tales, those that haunted your nightmares. Before we get to the story though, I'd like to give my shout outs to those who dwell below. They are Ghost City Shelton, Lefty Kim, Lisa Watts, and Steffi Ray. You guys are all fantastic for your support. If you'd like to join them below, make sure to check out the link in the description box below. Cemetery Witch by Bressis I grew up in a town in rural Connecticut. The village I live in is relatively small. When I was a preteen, there was minimum to no actual crime in the town. My family lives pretty much scattered throughout the village and then in the next town over. And while it was quite a walk, I used to go over my cousin's house pretty much every weekend, because I had nothing to do at home. I would go over there in the day, but always go home at night, because I could not, for the life of me, sleep comfortably in that house. Anyway, my cousin's house is down in the valley of the town. The valley is the home of a man-made pond called Knife Shop. The reason it's called such was that it was made specifically to help power a large knife company that once resided in my hometown long before I was born. This knife company was eventually brought out, and the last standing building of the knife shop is in my backyard. The knife shop was taken down, and a majority of my town is actually state parks, though not listed. As a kid I used to love going and exploring the woods with my cousins on the weekends, we always found an old section of the knife shop's foundation and made a little hut in it. Or we played on or in the giant waterfalls that we once used to power the shop. There were many occasions when my cousins and I would be playing in the woods, then follow a path up to the waterfalls and we'd end up in the cemetery. My town has a very, very small cemetery that is split in two pieces, the old part and the new. We'd always end up in the old part, I was never comfortable walking around in the old cemetery. My cousins and I popped out of the woods one day, around noon, and started to walk the driveway of the cemetery back to the road. Halfway there, we stopped and found a turtle that had been crushed. But it wasn't on the road, it was on a headstone. We sort of freaked out and laughed. Unfortunately, in order for me to get home, I had to walk back past the cemetery to go up the large hill where my house was. At around four or five, I started my hike home. As I was passing the cemetery, I saw a woman standing in the middle of the headstones watching me. She was definitely not alive. I could see through her. It's hard to explain what she looked like. She had long, wiry hair and a sneer on her face. 
She was in clothes probably from the 1800s. I actually froze on the grass next to the road and couldn't move for a moment or two. Then she cackled. I stood frozen and quiet for a moment before I booked it. I've got to say that I never ran the mile when I was in school. I always walked it. But I ran a mile uphill to my house and got there in under 10 minutes. Now in my mid-twenties, I go down to the cemetery to pay my respects to my grandparents. My cousin and I then go to the old part of the cemetery to pay my respects to all my relatives buried in there. I've not seen that woman since, nor have any more dead animals shown up in the cemetery. I genuinely don't know why or who would have done any of that to bring about something as sinister as that woman. I can say, very, very confidently, that she radiated evil. And when I walk through the old cemetery now, I actually avoid the headstones where she stood. The Witch on the Window by Who Are They? Do you believe in ghosts? There are moments in my life where I have been asked this question, and every time I would answer, I'm not sure. I can't easily reject the notion, because I know you can't deny something that can't be seen by the naked eye alone. But accepting the possibility of an unknown and unseen being hovering near me at any place and time is quite unsettling. Though my acceptance of this particular issue is vague, my younger sister, on the other hand, is a different matter. Ever since she was young, she would always claim to see things that people don't normally see. My father used to tell me that when they both were driving along the federal highway, they came across a huge car pileup with an ambulance near it. My father described this scene as horrific. The cars were twisted and bent out of proportion. His first thought that there was no way anyone could have survived it. As they drove past, my sister looked and said, Why is that man standing with his clothes all red and dirty? My father, eyes still focused on the road, was astonished by that person's look, and said to my sister that he was probably hurt bad from the accident. When they arrived home, my father told my family of the incident, and urged us to watch the evening news that would probably cover it. As the news unfolded, the face of the people involved in the accident were displayed on screen. My sister tugged at my father's shirt, and pointed to the face of one of the victims. Dad, that's the man I saw. What happened to him? My father's face went pale. The faces shown were people who died in the accident. All of them died instantly. I was curious to say the least. I'm sure she wouldn't lie. But as I wasn't there when it took place, I couldn't reach a definitive conclusion regarding the matter. As time went on, as with most things in life, the memory faded away from me, the thoughts not resurfacing in my head until years later. My family moved into a new house a while ago. It was a two-story bungalow with a large tree next to it. It looked like any typical house, really. As a day of rigorous unpacking ended, we all went to our respective rooms. My sister's room was conveniently located near the tree outside on the second floor where it can be looked at through the room's window. I'm not sure if it was past midnight or before it, but the silence of our house that night was broken by the screams of my sister. I rushed into my sister's room, 
my parents arriving earlier. She was sobbing uncontrollably, tightly embracing my mother. I was about to ask what happened, when I realised that this was probably related to her sensitive perception. I kept my mouth shut and quietly went back to my room. As I anticipated, my sister told her story the next day during breakfast. She claimed that when she was about to go sleep, she felt a cold breeze coming from the window. She went to close it, and then saw a figure crouching on the tree's branches, that of an old woman, hair as white as the moon itself, with three claws on each hand, smiling and looking at her with crimson red eyes. I found her description at the time pretty over the top, like something out of a stereotypical horror movie or something. I pushed aside my thoughts when she expressed her desire to change rooms. My father, who was quiet throughout the time, nodded and asked who had volunteered to exchange rooms with my sister. I gazed at my other siblings, their eyes facing the ground, showing reluctance, maybe fear. I looked at my sister and saw her dejected face. Although I find the whole thing quite absurd, seeing the pained expression on my sister's face made me make up my mind. I volunteered. My sister, beaming with delight, thanked me over and over, but then said, Brother, I know what you're like. Please don't do something stupid. Please. I nodded nonchalantly, not giving much thought to her words. Fate probably had disagreements regarding my attitude. That night, after putting my stuff in my new room, I went to my desk to prepare the report for an upcoming presentation. I sat there for what maybe was an hour, when I felt a cold breeze from behind. I glanced behind, to see the window had opened slightly. At first I paid no heed to it, thinking that I had probably not properly closed it. But then I felt the urge to go and have a look through that window, to confirm for myself what my sister saw. I took slow, steady steps toward the window, the sounds of the crickets outside matching my beating heart, and with feelings of uncertainty, I looked outside toward the tree. There was nothing there. Like the anticlimax moment in a horror film, I felt somewhat disappointed, but relieved. It is then that I felt quite stupid regarding the whole matter. I chuckled slightly with thoughts that a possibility of someone or something to be dangling on the tree outside my room to be absurd, and with a confident tone I said, hey, if you're really out there, why don't you show up? As those words left my lips, the sound of the crickets outside and the breeze that blew suddenly died, leaving behind an eerie silence and nothingness. I stood there frozen in place. I didn't know what to make of the situation. My imagination was getting the best of me, as I could almost swear that the branches were swaying on their own, without any aid from the wind, as if the tree is coming to life. Ridiculous as it sounds, I even started to hear things, whispers to be exact. Given the nature of the circumstances, I wouldn't be surprised if it was an issue best discussed only in how. And to top it all off, images of a white-haired woman lunging at me 
kept popping inside my head. The whispers and images began to intensify to my horror, trying to push me to the edge of my own sanity. Suddenly, a knock came at my door, purging my senses from those abominations. Brother, are you awake? My sister said on the other side of the door. The whispering, the moving branches, those horrid images in my mind, all stopped. I bent on my knees, trying to catch my breath. It felt like the wind had been knocked out of me. I wiped away the sweat on my face, seeing the small puddle of perspiration soaking onto the wood floor underneath me. A second knock came at the door. Brother, are you listening? Are you alright in there? I could feel the urgency in her voice. Yeah, I'm alright. My mind just wandered a bit. Anything you need, sis? I said, trying my best to maintain my composure. Just checking up on you, she spoke softly, out of relief maybe. After a few moments in silence, she said again, I'm worried about you, brother. Nothing to worry about, sis, I almost stammered. You should go to bed. It's getting late and I'm thinking of going to sleep now. Okay. She seemed hesitant in her reply, but then I heard her footsteps moving away from the door. As her footsteps faded away, I gathered my thoughts, trying to make sense of the whole matter. Was I imagining things? Did I become so paranoid that I let my imagination get the best of me? My eyes darted to the clock hanging on the wall. 2am. I had been standing by my window for hours. Slowly, my gaze shifted to the window in front of me, and with all the resolve that I still had, I picked myself up and looked through the window. There was nothing there. I must be tired, I thought to myself. I closed the window, went to bed, and hoped for a good night's rest. I woke up the next day, feeling somewhat groggy. As the cobwebs cleared, I sat on my bed and tried to make sense of the event that occurred the night before. Reaching no logical conclusion, I decided to speak to my sister later. I got up from bed and went to the bathroom to take a shower. As I drenched myself under the shower, I suddenly felt a stinging sensation on my back. The pain was so terrible that I almost fell to the floor. I got out of the shower and went in front of the mirror with my back facing it, trying to see if there were any cuts. To my horror, the reflection showed six long scratch marks on my back, three on the left and three on the right side. I never told my family, especially my sister. I didn't want to upset them. I tried telling myself that I caused the scratches on my back when I was asleep, and some days I even believe that. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The Witch by Blood Runs 
Summer came like a wanted pleasure, the sun gently caressing down as dew began to absorb into a rich earth which began to spew forth hope. Blazing green shards of grass fought to cover the dying brown jilted lawns and the elliptical shaped buds unveiled organic hands reaching out to catch the golden rays. Yes, summertime. A beautiful time. A time of evil. A child sees life through a different set of eyes, and I'm no different. My father had been very ill and was dying, but I didn't know. He was a pilot and was gone most of the time, so when he came home to stay, I was happy and didn't know there was another reason. Nor did I care. I had my dad home, and that was all that mattered to me. The adobe house we moved into was in a small Spanish village in northern New Mexico, Valesitos. It was a town of about 320 people, all of which worked in the local lumber mill that was owned by my uncle. The house itself had two stories and a wooden veranda on the back and the right side. The house was very old and still had a wood stove as a heat source and to cook on. There was no running water, so an outhouse was your only option, and baths were in a claw foot tub that you would fill with pots of water you heated on the stove. The backyard was a tangled remnant of what used to be a beautiful orchard of apples and cherries. You could tell by the scantily built houses that adorned the remainder of the town that the large adobe house was owned by someone of prominence, and although times had been harsh to it, there was still a majestic beauty about its confines, and I wondered why it had remained empty. Soon, I would find out. Old school Spaniards are very devout in religion, and also have a strong sense and belief in the occult, so it made sense when I was informed that a witch had owned the house, and after she died, no one would much as step foot on the property, hence the lack of maintenance even in the orchard. The decaying once white wooden fence posts that staggered along the roadside in front of the house reminded me of small soldiers standing in some type of ragtag formation, the rotting wood giving each one its own personality. A small creek ran down the left side of the house and was surrounded by dozens of small trees. The trees themselves reached across to grasp one another and formed a fissure where the sparkling water gurgled and splashed its way down, only to reach a small river that cut through the centre of the town, dividing north from south, poor from poorer. A small bridge leaped over the gap, and looked as if it frowned, with the sides of its mouth creased from one side to the other. It was on the first night that we felt something wasn't right. There was a terrible scratching sound emitting from beneath the floorboards of the house, and the lights would flicker on and off, my father assumed that a family of mice lived under the house, and with this place being so old, the wiring was faulty. I accepted that, and went upstairs, climbed into the top bunk of my old pine bed, snuggled in, and went to sleep. A strong smell of feces and rotten eggs assaulted me throughout the night, and I found myself pulling up the blankets multiple times as they seemed to wander to my feet. An eeriness echoed with the scraping of limbs from the large tree behind the house, and I felt as if I was being watched. The hair on my arms was raised, and a brisk coldness lumbered in the air. 
The next day, my mother made fresh tortillas, laden with melted butter and honey for breakfast. I had never had food cooked on a wood stove, and it was marvellous. The memories of the night slipped away. The tree behind the house had a rope descending from a large outstretched branch, and I watched as it swayed back and forth in the warm summer breeze. A small green apple was visible just out on the branch, and with the use of the rope, I was able to climb up to the limb. As I reached out for the apple, I felt a hard shove across my back. Clawing to save myself from certain doom, I was able to grab the rope to slow my fall and ended up with just a bruised leg. Still being young, I started to cry and was soon met by my mother and brother who ran out of the house to see what was wrong. Other things began to happen, not just to me, but my family. My sister swears an old lady was looking at her in the bedroom mirror and our family dog suddenly attacked my brother. My mother could never find her keys and always yelled at me for playing with them, which I never did. None of the kids would come to my house and play. They said their parents wouldn't let them as the house was cursed and a witch lived there. So as a young boy, I was hurt, but something inside told me they were right, so I didn't push the issue. Everyone in the family knew something was wrong, but we didn't talk about it. Dad's health was getting worse, and we really had nowhere else to go, so we just ignored the strange behaviour in the house. Summer was coming to an end, and we'd been at this house for several months. Beside the eerie things that had happened so far, and the occasional sighting of an old lady in the mirror, life seemed rather usual. That was all about to change. It was late on a weekday night, and once again I was having a tug of war with my blanket, when a loud scream came from downstairs. I could hear my father jump out of bed, with my mother close behind. Suddenly the house seemed to shake. The bunk bed began to raise up and slam down, up and down, up and down, and I began to cry, and my brother yelled out. My sister was screaming for help in the other room, and everything started to twist. Enter the witch. The side door to the veranda near our bunk bed suddenly slammed open, and a dark creature resembling an old lady had appeared. The smell of rotten eggs and death became strong. Hair of putrid yellow seemed to glow, and the eyes and mouth were darker than the night itself. This creature had a heavy, raspy breathing that echoed in the room and made the hairs stand up on the back of my neck. Then, she screamed, Get out! The voice sounded like a thousand voices strewn together and resembled a growl. My father stood in the entryway on the opposite side of the room, and the look on his face was a pure terror. He couldn't make a sound. My mother was calling out frantically to him, but he just stood frozen. His already white sick skin had now turned opaque. The bookshelf had somehow fallen over, and books were now flying around, slapping into the wall of a foot, only to start flying again. It was at that moment that my mother fell to her knees and started to pray. Just as soon as she started, it stopped. We stared at each other for a long time, utter disbelief at what we had just witnessed. I began to cry as realisation set in, and we all huddled together. After my father had turned on all the lights and locked all the doors, my mother told us to grab what we wanted to keep 
because we would not be back. So we gathered our things and quickly ran to the car. The next morning at my uncle's house, I remember listening to them talk. My uncle's voice quaked in disbelief, and I heard my aunt tell my father she had warned him. Had they known? I never went back to that house until I was in my thirties. The house is still there, but the lumber mill long since closed, and the town seemed empty. A few still remained, but they went inside and would not engage my conversation. The adobe house still stood at the top of the hill, and looked just as I remembered it. I did go inside, as it was obvious no one lived there. Besides the staggering amount of crosses, pentagrams, and various graffiti on the walls, the house looked the same, although somewhat smaller. My old pine bunk bed was still there, with the name Frog scratched into its surface. Frog was my nickname when I was young. I could still smell feces and rotten eggs. I have never been back. Hi guys, thank you ever so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit of a different subject, but hopefully we'll be trying to do more of these. If you like the channel, make sure to share, comment, and subscribe to it. Also hit the notification bell, that way you will know when the next video comes out. So, until next time, sleep tight. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.